You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. I'm excited to share this message. I have what I feel is a heartfelt message for today and really for embracing the season that we are in. We're about to enter into the holidays. Come on, Thanksgiving, Christmas, it's a special time of year. And um, I wanna prepare us. Uh, Instead of just sometimes running through life and life is happening to us and we pass through the holidays and then we're like, wait, what just, what happened? I wanna prepare us, let's be intentional. Let's prepare ahead of time what things are gonna look like in the next couple of months. And as I was kind of just reminiscing and kind of just feeling like, okay, Christmas, Thanksgiving, I started to think about, do you ever have like those just nostalgia like moments? And I think it usually happens when you start to watch like those seasonal movies. So like coming into to Christmas, you're starting to think about like, it's a wonderful life and Miracle on 34th Street and Home Alone and Elf and um, Christmas Vacation, depending on, you know, where you are in the end of the spectrum for movies. Um, But you'll start watching those movies and you'll have these moments of like this pocket of joy and just this little bubble and you're there and you're drinking your pumpkin spice latte or you're having your peppermint mocha. I asked Pastor Katie before the message, what's like a Christmas drink? And she's like, peppermint mocha and the way that you need to drink it. And then she started, and I'm like, I am not gonna give them our menu. Like, I just, I'm creating the moment. Um, It was very funny. She's passionate about that, which I appreciate. And so, you know, you have your special drink during that season. You know, food is a big deal. So you're preparing these roasts and maybe things that you wouldn't typically have. And then you've got your family around you or friends or new friends. And you just have this pocket of joy. And it's like this little bubble of time. And I was thinking about that because I started to feel like that's how I feel about our church. That there's been this little bubble in the midst of the whole world that we can come to and that we can can be in an environment that is full of peace, joy, faithfulness, empowerment, um, this beautiful pocket that God has designed and that our pastors have uniquely created for us to live in. So to kind of get us into the moment, I want us to, to watch a little clip from It's a Wonderful Life. Well, who are you? I told you, George, I'm your guardian angel. What is it you want, Mary? You you want the moon? Just say the word and I'll throw a lasso around it and pull it down. Welcome home, Mr. Bailey. Sandimental hogwash. I wish I had a million dollars. Mr. and Mrs. Martini, welcome home. This is what I wished for. You see, George, you really had a wonderful life.
to talk about today about our wonderful life. It's a Wonderful Life doesn't just have to be a movie setting. It can actually be our life. And I really love that clip because it's about a man and a woman who have gone through some things, but remember the most important things. And um, in that, provide a wonderful life. So I want to just share four reasons why I am grateful for this little bubble of Awakened Church and what I am grateful for because I've been a part of the church almost 15 years which is pretty crazy. And I've been on staff and on team for 14 years. So I have had the privilege and the honor of watching what has happened in the life of our church. When I came here, there was about 150 people in the whole church. And now we're, we're closer to 10,000, which is absolutely astonishing. Um, but for me, I wanted just to talk about what are some of the unique things that has created this bubble in time called Awaken Church. So number one, I am grateful that our church and community is modeled after and from the Bible. And when you talk about modeling, I kind of was thinking about in, um, I grew up here in the U.S. and then I also grew up in Ecuador and the city that my family lives in and where I grew up is called Cuenca, Ecuador. And whenever I describe the city to people, I always say, well, Cuenca was modeled after a European city, so it has a European feel. And I'll talk about how the, the town has like cobblestone roads and little cafes and shops and it just has this really cute, um, it's, the, it's like the art. Um, Mecca or capital of Ecuador, and so it's really artsy. And so I'll describe all of those traits because it's been modeled after something that's already gone before. And so for our church, it's the same. This isn't just something new. It's been modeled and uniquely designed like the very first church in the book of Acts. So this doesn't happen by accident. A culture like this doesn't happen by accident. It is by design. It is on purpose. And the reason it works is because it's based on the truths of the Bible. It's not just likes and not likes or opinions or thoughts. It's actually built on the Word of God. I want to give people a little bit of homework, um, and I want to challenge you to read the book of Acts, because this is where the first church started. And the book of Acts is the book of actions. It was never meant to end. The church is never meant to end. It's the book that is still being written today. So what we are in, in Awakened Church, is, a, is, is basically a harvest of the seed of the first church that was in the book of Acts. So if you want to find out about us, just read the Bible in the book of Acts. And you'll be like, oh, it's the book of Acts. Oh, it's, it's Awakened. <laughs> Now, if you don't believe me, I see some, you know, stern looks. I will read the Word of God that will share this with you. Um, so if you kind of, you're in the book of Acts, read the first chapter, then the second chapter comes, and this is when uh, Jesus has, he, he's died and resurrected, and now he's about to ascend to heaven, and then he sends us the Holy Spirit to empower us to actually be the kind of church that he's called us to be, and the Bible says that Peter and John stepped out. Peter steps out 3,000 to speak, to preach, to minister, but he does so empowered by a spirit that is not his own, and it changes everything, and it says in the Bible that 3,000 people were added to the church that day. 
So that's, that's a pretty big deal. So as that's happening, then all of a sudden, the people in that area begin to feel threatened by this new power. It's different than what they have known. And it starts to create some waves in, in Israel. And the leaders of the courts start to get a bit uh, threatened. And they feel, they would say things like, those people have been with Jesus, we can tell. I hope they say that one day about us. They said things like, they've done miracles. They have power. And the Bible says, they said, we need to stop them. It was a threat to their rule and reign. And so Peter and John were empowered by the Holy Spirit, and they began to pray. I'm going to pick up the story there. It says in Acts 4:31 through 35 in the New Living Translation, after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then they preached the word of God with boldness. When we're empowered by the Holy Spirit, his boldness comes upon him, upon us. Uh, The believers, the Bible says, begin to share their possessions. All the believers were united in heart and in mind. And they felt that what they owned was not their own. So they shared everything that they had. The apostles testified powerfully to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's great blessing began to fall upon them. There were no needy people among them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring the money to the apostles to give to those in need. This is the kind of church that was built. And that, I believe, is the kind of church that we are experiencing here. Our church is not built on selfish humanity. It is built on the word of God, which gets us out of selfishness into the principles and the life of God. And it's what makes us so wonderful. Uh, Point number two, I am grateful for our church who cares for one another. We care for one another. The Bible says in John 13, 34, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. First Peter 4, eight through nine says, above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers a multitude of sin. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. God's two greatest commands to his disciples, to the Christian church, was to love God and to love one another. And I honestly believe that the art of hospitality can sometimes get lost in translation in the different types of um, atmospheres and places where we live. And I think that it should not be a lost art. I think that one of the ways that we can show that we love one another is by opening our home. Opening our home is like opening up a door to our heart. Because how many people know, like you could have 1,500 Starbucks and not know who the person is. But you walk into their house and you're like, oh, I get you. You you begin to understand there's a little bit more depth. The Bible says deep love, not superficial love. We've got to get out of superficial friendships and superficial relationships. The Bible says deep love. Deep love is an engagement of the heart. And I kind of learned a long time ago a little bit about hospitality. Uh, my family is Italian and Jewish, uh, and we, I grew up as a Christian, but that's two big, loud families, let me just tell you. If you wanted to speak at the dinner table, you had to talk louder. 
that's how it worked in my family. But one of the things that my family was really great at growing up was doing this, was loving people well. And they would open up their home all the time. I can remember as a kid, my dad always had prayer meetings in our house. I'd always wake up to these like men praying. I'm like, I just want cereal. Um, (laughs) But it serves as a beautiful reminder today. And then um, I can remember my mom would just create these like fabulous meals. And in fact, that came from my grandparents, you know, on the Italian side, uh, they, as kids, they would have us come over and my grandfather and my grandmother taught us how to cook. Like my grandmother, if you opened up a jar of sauce, like red sauce, she, she would tell us, I will roll over in my grave, Stacy. Don't you ever open it. We, we make sauce from scratch. We are Italians. And so I learned very, at a very young age how to make sauce, how to make pasta, all the things. We would have cooking class with grandma. And then um, my family just all kind of got into it. It brought us together. And so during holidays, we'd all get together and we'd all start cooking. And then I remember, you know, after kind of living here in the U.S. for a while, kind of getting a little bit rusty. And I, um, I, <laughs> I went back to Ecuador and I was visiting. And I can remember my sister telling me, she's like, oh, Stacy, um, tonight, why don't you come over? I've got some girls coming over and um, we're going to make empanadas. And I'm like, oh, great. You know, that sounds like fun. I'm like, but do we really have to make empanadas? Like they take hours. Like everyone has to participate. You know, I'm like, they're not even that expensive. Like we live in Ecuador. So I'm like, I'm like, I'll just pick some up on the way. And I'll never forget her response. There was kind of this pause. And I'm like, what's the deal? And she's like, Stacy, um, I don't want you to buy empanadas. She goes, you know, the girls that I invited over, she said one of them had been abused by her husband, and she's just coming out of that. Another one just came out of a divorce. Another one <clears throat> had a death in the family. She goes, I want to make empanadas because I want us to sit around the kitchen table and talk and minister to these girls that have been so broken with their history. I don't want to buy empanadas. I want to create a moment of ministry. And it changed everything. I was like, oh my gosh, yes. Like, put no to buying food. (laughs) I do buy food sometimes, it's fine. (laughs) But it made, it reminded me of those moments. It would create an environment of hours of conversation and they would feel less awkward and more vulnerable because their hands were doing something. It's hard to talk about the real things sometimes, but if you can create an environment that's conducive to that, you get so much out of it. So we have to remember the lost arts that God has given us. The Bible says don't neglect hospitality and don't grumble and complain. And you may think, well, I'm not that kind of person. I didn't grow up cooking. Whatever is in your household, if you want to Uber Eats to create the environment, then do so, but create the environment and create those moments where we can really bring people in. I love it at Awaken Church because that's the kind of church we've built. We're real. We're authentic. We don't just say we're friendly. We're friends. And I think that's what makes us so different than all the other churches. I love it that from the pulpit, we share our real life testimonies and stories. It's not just information. It's what's transformed our lives that we want others to experience. And it's based on the word of God, but it brings people in. I think that we have to learn to remember to practice our Christianity. 
And what I mean by that is if we're thinking about the holidays and Thanksgiving and all that, sometimes we can get a little apprehensive because we can think, oh gosh, well, you know, my family is a train wreck. And you know what? Aunt Sally is going to ruin everything because she always does. And sorry if your name's Sally. It was just a, just what came to me right now. And you know, we can start to actually get a little bit like, oh, like nervous about approaching the holidays with all the different people that are coming over. But I really think that as Christians, this is our opportunity. Uh, One of the nuggets that I want to share with you that I really think can help you as you approach family, friends, holidays, um, if you're kind of in those types of families, and all of us are to some extent, um, I want to say this. I've heard over the years, you know, when people get saved, they're pumped, they get saved, um, or even when they begin to encounter God, they go back to their family or back to their friends, and they expect them to be different. But they're not the ones that encounter God. They're not the ones that got saved. So why are we expecting them to be different? We're different. So we've got to remind ourselves to be the Christian in the room. It actually gives us an opportunity to, cra- to practice our Christianity. Because normal human emotion, our behaviors, they will pull us to, and nothing like family to pull you like who you really are. Let's be honest. We're like here in church, we're like, yeah, blessed. Everything's awesome. We go home, we're like, oh, no, you didn't, you know? (laughs) But what if we didn't do the, oh, no, you didn't? And we actually begin to live the encounter that we just had. And we don't expect them to be different. Now, I honestly believe as we live out our Christianity, it's the greatest witnesses and testimonies for people around us. And they may start asking questions. But I kind of, uh, my evangelism is a little bit different. Um, I kind of, my favorite kind of evangelism is just living my faith. And then they ask the question. I don't like pummeling people with religion, pummeling people with the word of God, pummeling people. That is not God. Love draws people in. When you have the God of the universe on the inside of you and you begin to live out the principles of God, they will ask. That's my favorite type of evangelism. When they go, you should have blown up because Aunt Sally really lost it, but you didn't because you're sitting there holding to the Holy Spirit going, help me now. And he will. That's the most extraordinary thing. So just remember on your journey of faith, live out your journey and people will want to follow, even if it takes years and years and years. Be the witness. Don't have, un- don't have ex- expectations that people cannot fulfill yet. If they didn't encounter God, what mechanism in which are they going to actually shift and change? We can read every book the 10 ways to, the 10 ways not to. Knowledge comes and goes. A life transformed, total difference. Can I get an amen? Okay, amen, amen, amen. Okay, point number three. I am grateful for our church who gives to God and to each other. Uh, I want to read again that passage of scripture in Acts 4, 32 through 35. It says, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and one soul. And no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. I want you to read that and understand this is a conviction of the heart. This is not a law. This is a conviction. 
And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony, living out their faith to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them. There was not one needy person among them. For as many as were owners of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what they sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as he had need. Okay, a little bit of extracurricular homework for you. You can jot this down, giving you a lot of homework today. We don't have time to get into it, but I would love for you to read um, in, in chapter 6 of the book of Acts. Luke shares two contrasting case studies. He shows a positive example of this with um, Ananias, with Barnabas. And then he shows the way that it didn't work with Ananias and Sapphira. And... Um, when the people actually did it right, the Bible then says, if you read on in the chapter, they actually had to hire more administrative people to manage the abundance that was flowing in and flowing out. The care of one another was so extravagant that they're like, we need some admins up in here to help us administrate the move of God that is happening. And I just want us to draw our attention to that because we can sometimes think, well, let's make a law about how we should give to one another, like communism, which has never worked ever, because it's not a law that will change a person's heart. It is the infilling of the Spirit, is the conviction of the Holy Ghost that will cause us to give to one another, to share with one another. I love it because in the book of Acts, Luke records that the early church's growth was fueled by two giving trends. A 2,000-year-old tried and true principle that still works today. It was non-cash giving and collaborative giving. So these people, they sowed in tithes and offerings, but that is not where it ended. Because a conviction of the heart will take you far beyond a principle. A conviction of the heart will actually care for one another like you would care for a family member because we are. We are citizens of heaven. We have a new zip code. We have the DNA of Christ on the inside of us. And so when you begin to look at people from the perspective of eternity, that we are family for life and afterlife, then you get a little bit more resilient. You can, can tolerate some attitudes. You can deal with some little fights that need to stop and we'll teach them how. You, you can move beyond those things because you're looking at people not temporal, but through eternal eyes. And you have a transaction of the heart that will cause you to do things that you never thought you would do in a good way. And the best example I can give about this, and many of you know my story, is in, in buying my house. It's one of the most extraordinary experiences to not only absolutely step out in faith, I gave in tithes and offerings, do all the things, um, and then, you know, had the faith and had friends and family stand with me and be able to purchase a home. But if I were honest, at that point, I thought that was like the dotted line, like just the sale of the house. Like, I was like, oh, I probably can't afford all the upgrades. I probably can't afford, like, all the things that I really want uniquely in this house. If I can just buy it, like, that'll be amazing. But how good is God that he placed me in a community that understands principles from 2,000 years ago, an environment, a Christian people that go, you know what, Stacy? You don't know how to do technology, so I'm going to help you. You know what, Stacy? You don't know how to put sound in your ceiling and surround 
down and make it amazing, Sean Bennett. Um, so I'm going to help you with that. And I watched, not just in finances, but people took what they knew, their talent, their ability, what makes uniquely them, and they went, I want to share that with you. I can tell you today that on December 3rd, when I go into that house, it is way far above what I ever dreamed that it would ever be. It has all the finishings. It has all the things. Because God is a God of abundance, but we have operated in love towards one another. There is a bubble called Awaken Church. It is a wonderful life. And it's been designed that way. We choose if we want to participate. And I will say to you, if you're sitting there and you're like, that's so amazing for you, Stacy, because everybody knows you and you speak on. Listen, if you want this kind of life, so now. If you want this kind of life, then just live the principle because the principles of God work. If you say, I don't have people reaching out to me, reach out to them. If you say, in hospitality, no one invites me over, invite somebody to your home. If you say, listen, I, I, I don't have all of those, related, then begin to sow your seeds now. You will reap a harvest. The Bible says that that time will come. Remember, I'm here for 15 years almost. That's a long time of sowing seed in this beautiful place, in this church with people, and now that seed is harvesting and it's coming back to me. You can have a wonderful life too. You just need to abide by the truths of the word of God. Can I get an amen? Amen, amen, amen. Finances and solving community problems are always a transaction and conviction of the heart, not a law. Laws will never bring us to what we have experienced here. We need laws to keep us in, in, in some boundaries, but I'm telling you, this kind of a life, the first church and how it was designed was based on the principles of God and the conviction of a heart. And I love that our church has grasped that principle and it's what we live today. Okay, number four, my last point. I am grateful for our church that is sensitive to and led by the Holy Spirit. And we know our identity and our authority in and through Jesus Christ. When we realize that our identity comes from our Heavenly Father, that it's not just the family lines, it's not just the generations that we have come from, but that we are citizens of heaven, that we have the unique DNA that Christ has given us. When we begin to realize that our father beyond our natural father is God himself, oh my goodness, that will begin to change everything. You'll be able to expect more. You'll be able to step out more. When you know that you have a father in heaven who has, is backing you up, who, who is, is going, yeah, step out. I'll be there right there with you. Identity in Christ is everything. When we have identity in Christ, we have access to a father who has, the Bible says, the keys to the kingdom. All that he owns, all that he is, that's what we have access to. In God, we have access to healing. In God, we have access to a transformed life. In God, we have access to miracles and to finances because that's who he is. That's what he has. In Psalm 23, 5, I love it, this too. It says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, in the middle of conflict, in the middle of mess, in the middle of family fights. 
God has prepared a unique table that we are able to go there. And like we heard from communion, we can remember who God is and what he has done and what he has set up for us to partake in now. And we can go to that table whenever we want. And I love that the Bible says it's in the presence of our enemy because we all know as Christians that the problems don't just disappear. We all know that they don't just all of a sudden we become a Christian and poof, I'm in a fairy tale land. No, in fact, it gets more real. You begin to see light and darkness. The veil has been lifted. You see things as they really are. You see through spiritual eyes. You see the demonic and the darkness, but you also see the light and the love of our Savior. And then right there in the middle, you find yourself in the identity of Christ himself. And you know that you can live on this side of light and joy and peace. And then you also know that you can go ahead and rebuke the devil. And you could tell darkness to leave because that's not you. You're backed up by God himself. Can I get an amen? The Bible says in Acts 16, 19, I will give you the keys. This is the authority. I will give you the keys, the authority of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth, forbid, declare to be improper, unlawful on earth, will have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, permit, declare lawful on earth, will have already been loosed in heaven. If I could have the worship team, that'd be great too. Let me read that once more. I will give you the keys, the authority of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind, you forbid, you declare to be improper and unlawful on earth will have already been bound in heaven. And whatever you loose, permit, declare lawful on earth will have already been loosed in heaven. It's exactly the communion message that we heard this morning. Is that God's already gone before us. And he's already taken the keys from Satan and he's defeated him. And so we know our rightful place that the devil has been defeated. So all we need to do now is enforce that reality. So when darkness, when evil, when things happen that are unusual and out of the box and wrong for, for, for the sons and daughters of Christ, then we take our authority in and through Jesus and we declare, you are broken. You have no authority over me. You have to leave in the name of Jesus. You have to leave spirit of shame. You have to leave spirit of bitterness. You have to leave all these, all these awful things that the, that the devil tries to send our way. No, we just remember whose we are. And we stand in our authority that God has given us and we bind the devil. And the Bible says that we can because he's already done it. So we're enforcing what he has done. And then I love it because the Bible doesn't and God doesn't just leave us fighting battles of darkness. He actually wants us to live in the light. And he says, so not only can you bind and break and tell evil to leave, but also you are permitted to release abundance and grace and healing and miracles and peace and joy and compassion and faithfulness because that is who God is. And so as we approach the holidays, as we approach our families or our friends, can we do so as knowing who we are as being citizens of heaven, but walking on earth in everything that God has built us and, and designed us uniquely to be. We are to people, if we are saved, we are the face of Jesus to people. Oh, Jesus is on the inside of us, but we're the face that the people see. So what kind of face do we have? Do we have to remind our smiles to show up once in a while? 
Do we have to tell our bad attitudes to turn around and flip the switch? Do we have to give ourselves a timeout and walk outside of the house and get right with God again and then walk back in? Come on. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I am not speaking from a place of perfection. I'm speaking from a place of journey. And I know what's possible in and through Christ Jesus. And I want to just lastly share a story of, of why it's so important that we live this kind of life. And I've shared it on a Wednesday night. I don't think I've shared it on a Sunday. I'm not sure, but um, it'll remind us. But a little while ago, this is last year, I was walking on the harbor of San Diego and kind of, you know, downtown near the harbor. And uh, my friend and I would always, when I, I used to live downtown, and so we would always go for walks near the harbor. It was so beautiful. And sometimes we would go late at night. I know that's for all my military friends that are looking at me going, Stacy, you need to not do that. Um, I did carry pepper spray, okay? I was partially responsible for my life. And so, um, we would go and we would take a walk. And so we did that. And so we would walk, but oftentimes we would walk pray. And that's kind of one of my favorite things to do. I like taking action. I love walking and then being able to pray and being filled with the spirit. And I would begin to pray in languages not known to me, but known to God, the gift of tongues. And, and the God of the universe knew exactly what I was praying. And the Holy Spirit is praying on my behalf. And I could just feel the presence of God. And so I'd walk down the harbor, just, just praying in English and then praying in, in my prayer language. And one night we were doing that. And as I walked by, um, I heard this, this, this person yell, hey, hey, can I talk to you? And I stop and I look and I'm like, hmm, <laughs> this can go one of two ways. <laughs> the couple looked a little disheveled. They had like a broken down car. I'm like, ugh. But I felt from the Holy Spirit it was going to be okay. And I felt from God, and you have to know that you know that you know from God himself. So don't put yourself in a dangerous situation. But I knew. And so my friend and I stepped out and he said, I heard you. He said, were you praying? And I said, yes. He goes, are you a Christian? I said, yes. And he said, I knew it. I knew you were a Christian. I felt power. I felt power. I felt something different. I knew it. I knew you had to be praying to Jesus. We don't even know our lives being witnesses just on a prayer walk. I have no idea that a broken down couple and relationship was listening to the sound of heaven. I had no idea. And I turned and I said, yes, absolutely. And they said, listen, we, we were saved in, in, in kids' church years ago when we were kids. But if we were honest, we've really lost our way. And we're in a bad situation and finances are horrible and we're trying to get to this other location. And they said, we need what you have. We need that. And right there, right on the harbor, my friend and I led them back to Jesus. We didn't just leave them back to Jesus because we recognized that they had access. They now had the keys to the kingdom. So we led them to Jesus. But then we said, do you wanna pray like us? they said yes. And right there on that harbor, they got filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak in tongues. They began to pray in their own prayer language. And they're so filled with the glory of God that tears are running down their face. That's not is coming out of their nose because they're encountering 
the God of the universe and they can't control their emotions because they are filled uniquely by the love and the power of a living God. I am telling you, as we approach life, as we approach the holidays, we can live a wonderful life. One that so many people not only will be enamored by, but they will want what you have. We have the answer to every difficult question. We have the love of a spirit that is unlike the natural world that will change everything. Can I get everybody to stand to their feet? I just want you to lift your hands towards the heavens. You can go ahead and close your eyes. I wanna pray for us today. And after I pray, I'm gonna ask the ministry team just to come forward. And if you feel like, you know what, Stacy, I, I want what you're talking about. I could see how it might be possible, but if I were honest, I, I really struggle. I struggle with my identity or I struggle with hospitality or I struggle with reaching out or I struggle in my finance or I, whatever it is. We're gonna pray together right now, but if you want somebody to stand with you and pray, there'll be a ministry team up here and they can pray with you. So I just want you to, if you feel like, you know what? I need to be refreshed this morning. I want to position myself for the days ahead. I want you just to lift your hands to heaven. Lifting our hands to heaven is a sign of surrender. And I'm going to pray over all of us. I'm not going to bring anyone forward because I really truly believe this is all of us. I believe it's us encountering God again hearing from heaven, letting him fill our hearts anew. And where we have felt old and stale, or we have felt the letter of the law coming in instead of the, le the letter of love, then let's change that this morning. Let's let some things go so that we can let God in. And God will infill. He'll fill up every area and space that we give him. God never leaves us empty or alone. The Bible says he is with us always, even to the end of the ages. So let's begin to reinforce all the things that God died to give us here right now this morning. Lift your hands to heaven. God, oh God, Lord, I just thank you right now. If you pray in tongues or you're praying in language not known to you, just begin to pray. Begin to pray. Begin to, to, to look to God who is your Savior and your source. We don't look to the platform and to us speakers as the source of our strength. We look to God. We look to Jesus himself. He is the only one that can shift and change things. He's the only one that can give us unconditional love. Love that doesn't have strings attached to it. Oh God, today we recognize you for who you really are. We recognize the love of your spirit. We recognize, oh God, that you laid down your life to give us ours. Lord, that we would now live our lives responsible, God, responding to the death and resurrection, God, responding to everything that you have died for to set us free. God, we thank you right now that you are good and that you are pure. And even though the world and that there's bad and evil, God, we recognize your goodness. We recognize your true nature, a nature that is not like ours, that is eternity-driven, that is the love of God. Lord, we thank you right now, Lord, to begin to fill those areas of our heart that have been lost or have been in pain or have been in bitterness. We, we release unforgiveness. We release bitterness right now. Lord, we will not let anything steal what is rightfully ours, your love. We release it. We just let it go. It's not worth it. 
that situation, that bad business deal, it's not worth it. It's not worth our peace. It's not worth not sleeping at night. It's not worth it. Let it go. Let God be the judge on high. I, I feel that. I feel there's somebody here and there's a business transaction that's gone bad. And that can happen. And you know what? That can happen with Christians because we're human. And so if, if that's you, I, I just feel like there, there's someone here and that's you, the business deal went bad. And it was somebody that you respected and it's really, it's hurt you, it's broken your heart. Allow God to fight that battle for you, my friend. Lay it down. Lay it at the feet of Jesus. Let him resurrect anew. Let him give you another harvest. Release it. Don't let it steal one more minute, one more second of your peace. Begin to let God feel you. Just release forgiveness. And maybe it's only the part, any part that you played in it might be very, very little. But just release it. Let God be God. I believe he will restore. He makes all things new, the Bible says. And it might actually come from a different avenue, but it will come. So, Lord, we just thank you right now, Father. I thank you in the area of relationships, oh God. Lord, I thank you that you're the great connector of the human heart. Lord, I thank you right now for our families and our friendships and all the new ones that we are drawing in. Lord, I thank you, God, for incredible grace that will sustain us, oh Father. I thank you, God, that your word would be on our lips, God, and that our love, your love on the inside of us would be released to those that surround us. Lord, we thank you for these things. Can I get a really big amen? Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.